Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We got a great show for you this Wednesday afternoon. Thanks so much for stopping on by, man. It's going to pay off for you at 3.30 and a half an hour from right now. Since it's a week, the 49ers are playing the Cowboys. We thought we'd bring in the Cowboy himself. No, not Michael Irvin. He comes up later today. The Cowboy, Michael Irvin. 5 o'clock this afternoon. 4 o'clock, Steve Kerr at 3.30. The Cowboy. Justin Smith is going to join us. One of the best. That guy showed up and you understood exactly how good he was 49ers in the time I've been covering the team. And since this year's team is full of them, we thought it'd be a great time to talk to him. We'll go inside the 49ers locker room to talk to a guy who dominated when he was inside the 49ers locker room. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Haven't heard much from Justin Smith in his career, post career, kind of got off the stage and exited the building. Yeah, he had the good sense to just say, you know what, I don't need to do this anymore. And when I mean this, I mean running into other people, I mean working out, talking to us, talking to any, I mean just, he walked out the way I think the coolest guys walk out, which is see ya, and then you don't hear from him again. Very little anyways. Yeah. You know, hear very, very little. The thing is... What I don't understand is why so many guys get into broadcasting after they have made what is a level of cash, which means you never have to work again. And what it is, Ray, and it won't be like this for you because, you know, you don't you don't even take a compliment well, much less adulation, much less want or seek the spotlight. For some people, when that ends, the silence is so deafening, they don't feel like themselves anymore. And that's why a lot of people stay in headlines even though they're all done making them. Tom Brady. Tom Brady's not done making headlines. No, but well, oh no, he's not done making headlines, but I think he has reached the point where getting attention isn't nearly the fun thing it used to be, which is why he's going to, when he's done playing football, he won't be answering any more questions except on one press junket for Fox. The rest of the time he'll be Talking about football in a hermetically sealed studio and cashing massive checks. I heard someone say, well, you know, when Tom Brady, should he actually exit the world of football to go into the world of broadcasting? He's going to have to sit down and talk and do more interviews than ever before. No, 
No, no. When when you have the dollar amount attached to your paycheck that Tom Brady is going to have attached to that future broadcasting paycheck, you get to write your own rules. Let me just ask you this. Tony Romo, how often do you see him in other places? How often is his name popping up in any broadcast beyond the one he's doing with Jim Nance? Not at all. And he's the highest paid guy out there. So if Tony Romo can say, leave me alone, everyone, I just want to be a broadcaster, Tom Brady's going to be able to do that, too. But I don't think Tom Brady's about to get into the world of just broadcasting. I think he's got a little football left in him. Whether or not it's in Tampa Bay is really the only question that I think is out there. I think he's going to keep on playing. Oh, there's no question he's going to keep on playing. The question is, is he going to do it for the money or is he going to do it for the ring? And since the choice will be his, we'll get that answer delivered from him. I mean, if he ends up with a mediocre to bad team, like, say, the Raiders, he's doing it for the money. If it's somebody who's close to making a run, let's say, hypothetically, like Tennessee, then we'll know he's doing it for the ring. I just think that if he's doing it for the money, there's more money waiting for him in any broadcast booth. So if that's a motivation at all, I just think at some point... You know, that whole, I have to finish with a championship gets replaced by, I just want to keep playing. Well, I mean, the thing is, if he just wants to keep playing, he's going he's gonna to drive a harder bargain because there won't be the lure of winning. And it can be a chore like it was this year. And it was a chore for him. Um, as, you know, unless he really wanted to show the world he could throw 800 passes a year, which nobody had ever asked him to do. No one ever asked any quarterback to do that. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, because I was thinking about this after yesterday's show. I'm glad I left you with something to ponder in the evening. Well, the rash, too. Okay. Um, if he had as much control over, over that offense as I suspect he did, some of this might have been him saying, you know what? I'm just going to throw us out of whatever problem we've got. Because 800 throws is too many. Just by, you know, and it doesn't matter who's throwing them. It, it means that you're one-dimensional no matter how good you are. And he had one of his lowest quarterback ratings for a year that he had in his entire career. Not because he was solely at fault, but because after a while, it seemed like his default was, I'm going to throw this somewhere. Because he had routinely games where he threw more than 50 times. And that's... I cannot imagine a coach, let alone his, going, yeah, that's what we want to do. No coach wants to be one-dimensional. The single biggest you know, advantage you can give your opponent is to play a level of one-dimensional football before it starts catching everyone off guard. You know, even you know, the very best of Mike Leach and Air Raid started incorporating a running back because... Just it, it became something that people got used to, to seeing. And so you need to have a little bit of balance there. Part and parcel of the Dallas Cowboys success in Tampa is that they got to just load up and come after Brady and not even worry about an abandoned running game. This is the advantage that the 49ers have that I think has, you know, a lot of people looking at them as as the team to beat in the NFC, even though the road to the Super Bowl doesn't necessarily go through their stadium. Not yet, anyways. We'll see if the Giants have something to say about that on Saturday evening as they head into Philadelphia. But this is going to be 
a fascinating matchup that is either going to really provide Ray, I think, a a very close game back and forth. Or it's an awful lot of Niners coming up on Sunday. I don't see the game as I try to put together what might happen on Sunday. I don't see the Cowboys 28, Niners 10. I just don't see it. I see 49ers 28, Cowboys 10. I see 49ers 32, Cowboys 28. Like, I see it being a very, very close game that the Niners pull out. Or the Cowboys pull out. They could pull out the close game, too. Or I see a Niner blowout. I just don't see. I just do not see a Cowboys blowout. I don't think many people do. But what I do think is their path to victory is that they get off to a a fairly big lead early. And then it'll be whittled down. And then you might get that 32-27 game you're talking about. But I don't know how the Cowboys win if they don't have a cushion going into the second half. I think that's that's going to be the task for them, is to force the 49ers to go away from the running game and the ball control. That serves them so well. I think they want to have Brock Purdy throw the ball 45 times. Sure. Not because necessarily that that's not that's something he can't do, but it's not something the 49ers are good at. 49ers are good at running the ball 35 times and throwing the ball 25 times. That's their that's their ethos, and if the if the Cowboys can get them out of that, they've got a puncher's chance. Last week against Seattle, we saw Kyle kind of come out and play the game backwards from the the very very beginning. It's like pitching backwards. Instead of starting you with the fastball, we're going to go change up, change up, then fastball. He came out throwing, came out throwing with Brock Purdy, and he came out using Christian McCaffrey as a distraction and eye candy more than. You know, he even got a touch on that opening drive. McCaffrey's first touch of the day was his huge run, and that was the first play of the second series that the Niners had. So how Shanahan goes about calling this game is going to be fascinating. What his game plan, his opening game plan, his second half game plan, how it all gets rolled out. I mean, we know that he wants to be a front runner. The Cowboys, too, you're right. They want to front run this game. When you got a good defense and an offense that can control the ball, you want to lead, you want to sit on it, you want to start playing the clock along with your opponent. So this is going to be fascinating. And I tell you, I'm awash in nostalgia. I, I know you don't go that way. You don't roll that way, Ray. And it's it's nuts. I mean, that's one of the fun things about sports. All the memories, all of the feelings that it brings back up inside of you. There are so many 49ers fans who do deeply hate the Dallas Cowboys. There are Dallas Cowboys fans who deeply hate the 49ers. You know, when we have Michael Irvin on at 5 o'clock, we'll have to ask him, do you still do you still hate the Niners? Because I don't think he does. As a matter of fact, I, I know he doesn't. I think he really admires Kyle Shanahan. I think he really admires this team. And I think when you get in the media, if you want to be good at it, you got to drop the pom-poms and you can't just root for one team and against their you know, perceived enemies. You have to cover the league evenly. So I, I doubt that there is much remaining uh, bad feeling in, in Michael Irvin's heart. I mean, we talk to him every week, for goodness sakes. Yeah. I, I haven't detected it. I think he hates those 49ers, not these 49ers. <laughs> the memories. Yeah, I think he, he hates the times in the mid-90s when they couldn't get around him or really much of anybody else because 
while they did win twice, that was also the start of their long downfall because it's been that many years since they've won a Super Bowl. And up until last week, it was also the last time they won a road game on in the playoffs. I mean, that's pretty staggering for, for a team that has been in the hunt that many times. I don't want to say that good because they are not by any means an elite team and they haven't been probably since he retired. Yeah, for, for about 25 years, they're a middle-of-the-road NFL team with the biggest brand and hype machine the NFL offers any franchise. Yeah, and the most powerful owner because he generates the most money and gets a piece of everybody else's money too. That's his. Bro- that's Jerry Jones's brilliance. It's not as a football guy. I mean, he can spot, well, gee, C.D. Lamb would be fun to have, but you know, he also falls in love with guys like Ezekiel Elliott, runs them to death, and now he's a ghost of what he used to be. He so, also falls in love with the idea of how can I help you better your 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 ownership suites and your yeah. your your diamond club level suites. That's what I mean. Suites. He gets a piece of everybody else. It's it's the most amazing thing. I suspect that anybody who wants to buy into an NFL team now, that's that's mandatory. You got to come up with Jerry's cut. I wonder if because I mean I know that he did the suites at SoFi Stadium. I believe he his company did the suites in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium that Atlanta built in. Did they do the suites at Levi Stadium too? I did, that I don't know. I don't know. But I, I so it's not like absolutely mandatory, but he also never had approval rights over who owned the 49ers. 49ers, you know, have, you know, been right. operated by the by the the Bartolo/York family since 1976, which is before Jerry got in. So he doesn't really have the kind of leverage that he would have with a new guy. When I was growing up, Ray, 10-year-old little boy Damon, for one year, got this. It came in hot, didn't it? Jeez, sorry, I'll check the levels next time. Uh, One year, one year, one year. It's been gripping my life ever since. The best teams of my childhood, because I was a child of the 80s, were the Niners, were the Cowboys, who drifted into the 90s, and the Buffalo Bills, who I always understood in real time, even though they didn't win a Super Bowl, going to four in a row is even more impressive than winning one. It, It really is. They were so good. They were so good. The fact that no... No sweet, loving memories or stories of triumph are ever attached to them is ridiculous because they were awesome. But the Cowboys and the Niners won everything. And I grew up in that stretch rate where whoever came out of the NFC won the Super Bowl. Was that 13 years in a row, I think, that that happened in between the, the 80s and into the 90s? It was a long run of NFC teams. These were the teams that were always there. I, I mean, I having not grown up, a Cowboy or a Niners fan, I have a level of nostalgia baked into me because of this matchup. You know, when I used to defend playing Candlestick forever, it doesn't matter how much of a dump this thing is. What's important to Candlestick was never the stadium. It's the field. That field is hollowed ground. That field isn't just 49ers history. That's NFL history on that field. You got to play on that swath of land. That to me, yeah, you know, redo the stadium around it. Figure it out. 
That field was special. This matchup is special. There's an awful lot of nostalgia rolling around this city. Nostalgia is a very, very powerful drug. But when you get over it and you just zip yourself into the present, you realize this is sort of a you know, whole new version. Even though they met last year, this is a new version of that because no Christian McCaffrey, no Debo, and that defense was good. Wasn't quite this. And also, the Cowboys don't come in as the best team in the league. Because there was always something about them back in the 90s where yeah, you, the championship went through Dallas. And if it didn't go through Dallas, it went through San Francisco. This time, the championship's either going through this town or Philadelphia. You know, Dallas is a wild card team. You could dress it up any way you want. But they were the road team Monday night because they couldn't, they couldn't win their division. And they still, you know, as many noticeable players as they have, Prescott, Lamb, Tony Pollard, Parsons, they don't have the ability to walk in as the bully. And that's why I think a little bit of the bloom is off the rose. It's not a clash of titans. It's, it's quarterfinal. And you can't, you can't dress up a quarterfinal and make it a Super Bowl. No, you can't. But it's an even fight. I mean, I'll, I'll give Dallas a little bit more respect than I think a lot of Niner fans want to give them. That's a good football team. That's a really good football team. So if Dak is feeling himself, that defense has a lead to sit on and play with. If there's any sort of, hey, they actually did play well against the run here, it could be an uphill climb. Kyle Shanahan today at his press conference was asked what Dallas's main strengths are as far as he's concerned. Um, I think starting with their D-line. I mean, it's just Dan Quinn jumps off the tape to me there, um, the way he gets those guys to move. I mean, they got some real good rushers. Everyone knows about Lawrence and Parson, but, I mean, there's not one bad one there. Um, the way that they stunt, the way they can create one-on-ones, um, there's a reason they're number one in getting to the quarterback with sacks and pressures, and um, it does jump off the tape. So there you go. They got a defensive coach who officially knows what he's doing. Dan Quinn is one of the premier candidates to be on the head coaching search. You know that he's going to want to, you know, make the statement, yeah, we're, we're the team that knocked the 49ers out of the playoffs at his round of interviews if he's able to. But Shanahan is right. The 49ers are built because of that defensive line. That is where they put so many draft picks, so many choices, invested so much time, energy, money, and it's paid off for them. Cowboys got the same thing going. They do. They've got the same thing going for them. They are big and heavy up front. And when you got a game on the line of scrimmage, you officially got a football game. When it's not a clear-cut advantage in either team's direction, you got yourself a football game. I think this is either going to be a close coin flip, either team could win it, or the Niners really could have that kind of a day where their defense sits on their opponent to the point where at the end of the game, you're talking about 12, 14, 17 points. You know, a rough afternoon. Well, 13 more than 12. I don't think it's going to be 12, but uh, we're not going to play scorigami on this one. Uh, we got some really interesting stuff to get into today. Justin Smith in about 10 minutes. The Cowboy, a five-time Pro Bowler with the Niners. He was with the Niners for seven years of his career and was selected All-Pro five times 
in those seven years. A hell of a player. He joins us at 3.30. Steve Kerr at 4 o'clock. They're obviously in the last two legs of this road trip, which began in San Antonio, went to Chicago, then goes to D.C. to take on the Wizards, and then the White House itself. And now here comes a a rematch of the NBA Finals. Was that going to be enough to motivate Draymond to really want to go out and get this one? Because if he needs to import a couple of fans yelling at him from Washington to go to Boston, that's the way the Warriors brass is kind of looking at this going, maybe that's the motivation we need. The city of Boston should have plenty of people screaming at Draymond Green to motivate him. As a matter of fact, the F.U. Draymond chant never came in louder or clearer than anywhere when it was bouncing off that parquet floor. They Someone's here. Can we stop using the word hate? It's such a terrible word to use. No! This is sports. It's the playoffs. You're allowed to hate the Cowboys and the other team. We understand sports hate and real hate are different. Stop being an absolute wuss in every moment of your life. I hate when you yell. I know you do. So stop it. No. You suck. No, I won't do that. Not no, I'm just no. You don't get to select the words you would like out of my mouth. This isn't a plug and play. But the volume. No, don't get to select that either. It keeps it keeps the show up. It keeps you awake. It keeps the guys in the studio awake. Uh, there are two things that make people stop flipping channels faster than anything else in broadcasting. There is a study done. What do you think the two things are that make people stop? flipping channels the fastest intelligence and you're way off okay well then go ahead you actually think intelligence has a place in the world of grabbing attention these days i'm not talking about grabbing god bless you no that's what i am what do you think you want to keep an audience though i don't want to be yelled at i didn't say get keep an audience i said the number one way to make somebody stop flipping channels Lots of noise, lots of cleavage. What options do you think we have to work with? We don't have to yell. We make lots of noise as it is. A little extra noise every now and then. A well-placed blip of aggression. It's good for the broadcast, Ray. You should be thanking me, not condemning me. Yeah, well, I'm planning to go into my golden years with my ears working. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. That's true. I'm probably going to be dead by August. You're going to be okay. I'm not blowing out your eardrums. Turn your headset volume down there, Grandpa, if it gets too loud for you. If I could, you know I would. No, you can't turn it all the way off. You can turn them down. Well, then that takes a lot of the fun out of the show for me. Is Lucas going to come in here and help you? Get away from me. (laughs) Seriously, reach across, Ray, and see if he doesn't bite you. If you touch this, I will harm you. No, he's going to turn it down for a little bit. No, you're okay. I just don't want you to yell. There's no point in yelling. All right, then I won't yell anymore. Good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. He's yelling again. Hurt your eardrums. No, I'm not going to yell. I'm just going to put something else in your ear. Someone's like, you guys, pretty sure you both have some cleavage to offer. Yeah, and I guess on YouTube, you could get a little peek down blouse, but most people are listening on the radio. Cleavage on the radio really doesn't work well. Believe me, we tried. <laughs> Don't be saying we. I. If I, get, if I could get shirts that would fit up over my head, I'd do it. Here's something for your ears. Maximum! Oh! <laughs> 
We're getting closer and closer, Ray, to maximum football. By the minute, by the second, ticking off the clock. We get closer and closer to divisional weekend. Saturday at 1.30, we got Jaguars and Chiefs, 5.15, Eagles and Giants. If you are a 49er fan, congratulations. It's the rare, rare, rare NFL weekend where you're also a New York Giants fan. Bengals and Bills at 12 o'clock on Sunday, 3.30, Cowboys and 49ers coming up. Did you see that the uh, the Grand Poobahs, who decided that they were going to start the wild card weekend with the 49ers officially kicking off in the worst time slot there is, ruined the entirety of the ratings win for the NFL during wild card weekend. Wild card weekend ratings were actually down 4% year over year, which doesn't make an awful lot of sense. Until you realize that they put the wrong games in the wrong spots. If you want a big primetime audience, you put 49ers, Seahawks in a primetime slot and you will get a big primetime audience. You know what didn't get a big primetime audience, even though it was the best comeback of the entire weekend? Chargers, Jaguars. Two teams nobody cares about. They screwed it up. I Not only am I an A-plus radio talent. I would have been an incredible network executive as well. You missed your calling. I certainly did. I know more than these bozos. Where do you put the 49ers? Well, let's put them in the least desirable time slot in the world. Why? Why would you do You can put them wherever you want. So why would you put them there? That's so stupid. By the way, last year, 49ers and Cowboys had 40 million eyeballs on it on CBS. 40 million eyeballs. Not an apt comparison, though. No. But and I this game, Sunday night, could have 40 million eyeballs on it. It could conceivably. Um, I just don't know that Seattle had much of a, a draw, which I suspect is probably the reason why it got the Saturday afternoon slot. So they didn't think... People are going to watch what they thought was going to be a blowout and eventually turned out to be one. I mean, it was the least interesting game of the six. But on its surface, it, it, it played out that way. But on its surface, it didn't look that way. I, not to oh, me I, thought, I thought Seattle would have a hard time. I didn't think it would go the way it did. I thought 49ers would go ahead early and just stay there because I didn't see how Seattle could keep them from doing anything. And for a half, I was wrong. But eventually, that game played out as I think most people figured. So, besides, you got Saturday night off. What are you complaining about? It's no money coming out of your pocket. I understand that. Well, except for the fact you might have taken the wife out. We did. We did. We had a. Well, then it was money out of your pocket. It was expensive, too. We went for it. Uh, We don't go to restaurants very much these days. So, So, when we do. So, maybe that's your bitterness. It's there. Yeah. You could have saved, what, 250 bucks? Well, Up. up. Uh, By roller. Damon and Rat, no. Or, no. You're, or you've done things that your wife could punish you for. Well, it, there's, a, it's a, there's a lot of wheels in motion here. So this was just, this wasn't a meal. This was bribery. It was an, it was an, it was an ask. It was an ask for forgiveness. Honey, you want to go to dinner and forgive me all at the same time? She said, sure. Let's bring another couple, too. I said, sure. Oh. Yeah. And you picked up the tab. No, no, no. Because you no. were physically afraid of her. As you typically are. When we come on back, a guest we should all be physically afraid of. God, he was a great player for the 49ers and throughout his career. The Cowboy, not a Dallas Cowboy, 
but the only cowboy the Niners ever really wanted to claim. Justin Smith, one of the best defensive ends in franchise history, is coming up next here on 95.7 The Game. Believe it or not, it's also a Warriors Wednesday, which means we're going to have Steve Kerr at 4 o'clock today. And that's brought to you by Friedman's Appliance, a trusted name in the Bay Area since 1922. Visit Friedman'sAppliance.com today. And we are also Damon and Ratto, brought to you by Pfizer. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Oh, we are streaming on YouTube. You can go to YouTube.com slash 95.7 The Game right now. You can watch us live. Oh, boy, oh, boy. What a sight it is to behold. Damon and Ratto working for you on the Otis Bird the Third chat line. We've taken the word memorial out of it because Otis is living well and doing well, and we're, we want it that way. Uh, we've got uh, an awful lot coming up here, and soon Justin Smith will be joining us on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy, but Justin Smith right now, not easy to get on the blower. So as soon as Lucas makes that happen, we will let you know indeed when it does happen. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, I guess he's been going over memory lane with his team, his young team, showing them that, uh, hey, Niners and Cowboys in the playoffs, that used to mean something around these parts. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's how rivalries happen. And I, you guys knew it from the 80s um, when it started out. And I mean, I just, I remember so much in my childhood from sixth grade to ninth grade because I was here 92 to 94. So it was the biggest rivalry in football to me growing up. And then usually that goes away when you don't meet in the playoffs a bunch. And um, we had a big game last year. We got a big game this year. So the more you do that, the bigger it gets again. Yeah, it really is a premier rivalry in my mind still. I think in everyone's mind it truly is. And here we go, here we go. 49ers and Cowboys in the playoffs for the second year in a row. Uh, We want to get into the way back machine, though. Justin Smith was the fourth pick of the 2001 draft by Cincinnati, got to San Francisco in 2008, and in seven seasons became a five-time All-Pro Pro Bowler with the 49ers. We've been talking about the impact that Christian McCaffrey has had since showing up, and I've been saying that you know there are certain athletes that until you see them play every snap with your own two eyes, you can't appreciate how good they really are because they might be playing in off-brand cities or you know make the kind of plays that don't make the highlight reels. So you got to watch the whole game to really get to know. To me, Justin Smith is on the top shelf of guys like that that I've covered in my career. I knew he was good when he was in college. I knew he was good when he was in Cincinnati. I didn't know he was great until I got to watch him play. We go inside the 49ers locker room again this week to find a man who used to hang his hat there. Brought to you by Harris Ranch Beef. Legendary beef, legendary quality. Shop at your local Rayleigh's, Bel Air, and Knob Hill supermarkets for all your tailgate needs. Justin Smith, thank you for joining us today. Damon Bruce and Ray Rattle will be joining us here in just a moment. It's a pleasure to have you on, man. How you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Doing excellent. And I really mean it. I don't think anyone understood the player that they were getting because your career starts in Cincinnati. Then you come to San Francisco. We got our eyes on you, and it was obvious that you were a guy who made everyone around you better almost instantly. I'm guessing you took an awful lot of pride in that. How, how much different do you think your career would have been had you either played it all in Cincinnati or gone somewhere other than San Francisco? <laughs> well, it's hard to deal in those uh, terms, you know. It's like you, you deal with what happened to you, but went to Cincinnati, went to San Fran, uh, had great times in both, and had a lot of success in San Fran. Yeah, um, at this you know stage, as many years away from the game as you are, do you get any pangs this time of year about the Super Bowl you were in but didn't win? Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, without a doubt, wish we'd have won it and should have got it done, but is what it is. Got to live with it. And, uh, man, really rooting for the guys to be able to push one across the finish line. You know, they've been back, and I, I think they can get it done this year, honestly. Justin Smith joining us here, longtime 49er. And, you know, we get to talk to the Cowboy during Cowboys Week. Going back to that 2012 season, as you were on the way to a Super Bowl, a quarterback change happened in your year. And, you know, a little bit different than the change that brought about Brock Purdy, but it goes from Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick. In relation to the situation that the Niners have been in this year, 
What can you tell us about dealing with a quarterback change and what it's like when your team really does have Super Bowl aspirations? It's got to be a huge hold-your-breath moment at one point, and then when you realize the next guy can play, then all of a sudden you start breathing a little bit easier. Everyone preaches, oh, we always have confidence in, but that's just that's that can't be reality. <laughs> no, it's I mean, it's always the next man up uh, attitude, but that guy can play, and uh, Birdie can play and get it done, and been enjoying him. He's got a hell of a defense to rest on. Uh, I think they got all the pieces uh, in place to push it, push it all the way, man. I mean, uh, I think Nick is a once in a generational player, and anytime you have one of those guys and filled in with all pros across the board, you, you have a shot. What makes Nick Bosa the best in this league right now, in your own mind? Uh, just besides how what he brings to the table physically, just. I don't know if it's his dad, his brother, how he dedicates to his craft. I mean, he's he, he's got everything. He's got all the tools. He's got speed to power. He's got working half a man. Um, he, he can do it all. I mean, he's a complete player, and uh, I think one of the one of the big reasons they're going to get there. If it's Bengals 49ers in February, how do you divide your loyalties? Uh, right down the middle. I did seven years both places, so I'm right down the middle. Either way, either way, I'm good. But I, I had more success in in San Fran, and I, I enjoyed it more out there. So definitely, I'm rooting for San Fran. Justin Smith with us here on ninety five seven. The game. A lot of people want to know because you know we we have not heard much from you since your playing days. You have you know slipped off of the you know out of the spotlight and you don't seek it and uh you know you're not trying to be a member of the media like so many former nfl players these days what are you doing like where are we talking to you right now justin where are you these days i'm i'm off the grid for a reason (laughs) uh, yeah i I just enjoy uh doing my deal with my kids my family and stuff like that and i got three small boys and Actually, in Dallas right now, heading back to Missouri. Nice. Uh, right, yeah. the, these uh, these three boys of yours got football in their futures? Yeah, my oldest has been playing, and uh, we're just trying to toughen him up a little bit so he can be a player. Well, <laughs> so, I'll, I'll tell you right now, years, you know, having that Justin Smith DNA coursing through your veins has got to be a real good place to start. I looked this up, got into some of your numbers before we called you today, and, and I didn't even get into the tackle numbers. I didn't even get into the sack totals or pressure totals because, to me, the most impressive thing of your career is 217 starts in 222 career games. You basically, with the Niners, missed two games, I believe, in one season, and you're at a position that is getting cut blocked and beat up by the strongest guys on the other team every single game. Harbaugh called you the toughest guy he had ever been around. Uh, how did you do that? I mean, how much of that was you? How much of that was just you got lucky? Uh, I'd, I'd say a lot of it was luck, honestly. I mean, I, I got rolled up on so many different ways or stop blocks or this or that just were played with guys that were better physically gifted than me all day and they they just got hurt for some reason so I, I talk a lot of just luck honestly what was the most guys who ever blocked tried to block you on one play <laughs> the most guys tried to block me yeah on, on one play 
I mean, because I you were routinely double teamed. I imagine sometimes they put a third person on you because you were that hard to handle. But yeah. Did they ever get the yeah. four? Uh, we'd have three or something, but that'd usually be about it. Two guard tackle and like a chip or something, but usually the extent of it. Does the fact that it rarely worked uh, dissuade them at all from sending four at you? Uh, no, I don't remember four. Four, <laughs> four's half a lot. We had too many other good players for that. Justin Smith with us here. Did Alden Smith ever call you and say thank you for the unbelievable start to my career? Because couldn't help but notice he changed as a player when he wasn't playing off your hip. Uh, well, we, we did a lot of different things when Alden was playing with us. Uh, the way we beat protections and things like that. But it, I, I haven't seen any other team really do since or before, honestly. So, Plus, he's a great player. Alden was a great player, but uh, we had a lot of different stuff going on with him. And, and Yeah, no, there's, there's no doubt there was a lot of stuff going on. Um, uh, and I'm not in any way here, Justin, asking you to bury Mike Singletary or Jim Tom Sula or the brief time that you spent with Mike Nolan. But you're, you're basically you're with the 49ers for two seasons. And then in 2011, Jim Harbaugh and Vic Fangio shows up. It's one of the best coaching, you know, g- coaching rooms the 49ers have ever had with the success that you guys had in a short amount of time. Uh did that instant change, was it something that you could feel overtake the team right away when Harbaugh and Fangio walked into that room? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I could mainly speak for Fangio because he was defense side of the ball, and it was it was really separated. Uh, Jim mainly stayed on the offensive side, or that's all he really did, stay on the offensive side. But Fangio was one of the best minds I was ever around, and the main reason was he allowed us to up front beat protections based off what we heard up front with the O-line, and he allowed two shell coverage to stay in place all the time. And it, for a quarterback, it's hard when you're not showing exactly where you're going or, or single-eye coverage. Uh, in what ways is, and maybe maybe the answer is none, but it, since you've retired, how has defensive line play changed, if at all? Uh, I... I really don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, you got to really watch the the tape that they watch to see how it's changed and the rules changed. And I haven't stayed that involved to really be on to be able to answer that question. What means more in terms of getting ready for a playoff game? Is it having home field advantage or the same amount of time? Because we know that the 49ers have a home field advantage here against the Dallas Cowboys. What the Dallas Cowboys don't have is the same amount of time to prepare. The 49ers were the first game last Saturday. The Cowboys, they won on Monday night. So they're actually coming in with you know 24 hours plus almost 48 hours behind prep time that the 49ers have. Does that mean anything at this point in the season? Uh, I don't think you need that much time to prepare, to be honest with you, because you kind of know what they're doing and how to prepare for anybody week to week. I think it's more of the the home field advantage is huge. Uh, is it, uh, the home field advantage? Um, well, okay. Let me ask this then: How long does it take to prepare for a game? If you've got eight days as opposed to six, you could still get the work in, right? I mean, how much time do you actually need to prepare for a for a, a conference semifinal? 
two to three days. I mean, they can only run the ball in five holes, right? Mm. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not as hard as these guys try to make it out to be. <laughs> that is the line of that's the, the week. That's the best answer we've heard all week. Absolutely. Justin Smith here just dropping gold on us on 95.7 The Game. Uh, you went from what was at the time a new-ish and state-of-the-art stadium in Cincinnati. And then you show up in San Francisco to play at Candlestick, which everyone, you know, would called, you know, at best a cockeyed masterpiece, at worst a dump. But boy, we miss that dump and we love that dump. Did you love Candlestick, Justin? I love Candlestick. I think Candlestick was way better than Levi Stadium, to be honest with you. But it just had so much history and stuff like that that it made it awesome to play there. You know, I agree with you completely. To me, Levi Stadium, well, number one, it's about 50 minutes south and in the wrong city. So I don't like that. And it's just, it's, it's, a little, it's a little sterile. I don't like when all of the luxury and press boxes are on one side and then not on the other. It's just, it creates a, a weird, have you been to Levi's? Yeah, I played in it. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. You played it. <laughs> I was thinking because your, what, the the last, your your last year was at Levi Stadium. The last, what, the three playoff years that you were on this team was at Levi Stadium. And you had only been to the playoffs, or uh, Candlestick, excuse me, I'm getting it all mixed up right now. But um, you went to the postseason just once in your, what, first 11 years. And then you got to go in the Harbaugh years. Did you spend any time as the veteran in the locker room telling the younger players what a privilege it is to be in the playoffs and that you need to savor these moments because it took you so long to, to get there and then and then get back there? Uh, well, I mean, you got to take each year at a time. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to get there. Some teams are usually notoriously in there. Some teams can never get in there. And I was on a franchise that could never get in there beginning of my career. So, yeah, I, I took full advantage of it and tried to let the young, young guys know that. What do you think of the Bengals now? Uh, they got a guy. They have several guys. That's why they're there. They have a quarterback. They have some OD. And it, unless you have that in place, you, you're not going to be in there, as everybody knows, right? Well, I tell you what, Justin, we were really happy to have you on today. It was great to catch up with you. And to thank you, our friends at Harris Ranch Beef are going to send you 10 pounds of prime steaks. You get to choose your cut, cowboy. You going ribeye, porterhouse, or New York strip? I'll go ribeye. That is the correct answer. The man just knows. He's an experienced vet if there ever was one. Justin Smith, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to catch up with you, and I mean it. We could put it on a T-shirt. There are only five holes to run through. That is phenomenal. (laughs) You're the best. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. (laughs) That was great. Justin Smith, that was great. One more myth beaten down. There you go. There are no halftime adjustments. There are only five holes to run through. Anything else we need to strip out of the mythology of football? Oh, give us enough time. We we just have to wait for somebody on network television to say something else stupid and, you know, extraordinarily technical about... I mean, the only difference, I think, ultimately in football is the terminology. You know, now it, it almost sounds like, like gibberish, when in fact it's probably the same techniques that have always been taught. You have, you know, 
better players doing more remarkable things. And there are some strategic tweaks. But by and large, the elements really haven't changed in the last 40 years. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to the game that will forever remain the same. Namely, it's about blocking and tackling. Everything else is just there to sell tickets. But that's the part that's changed. What? The, how they sell the tickets. How they sell the tickets has changed dramatically. There is no doubt about that. And of course, yeah. Have you, <laughs> have you ever been to Levi's Stadium? Yeah, I played there. <laughs> that was great. Of course he did. That's right. But that's how terrible the entrance into Levi's Stadium was for the 49ers. It's like it stripped them of any real home field advantage. It stripped them of fan interest. It stripped them of Jim Harbaugh, who was out that year. And I'll say this about Levi's. It's at least now loud. For a minute there, it wasn't even loud in there. Not even close. Well, it's loud now. It's had eight years to figure out a history. And I think between the, the three winning Shanahan years and the, and the three winning Harbaugh years, people now have something to draw on. Um, it's still not a great stadium. You know, ingress and egress still kind of suck. Uh, the... One side you freeze, the other side you're a baked potato. But stadiums are largely about memories. And now that after about a decade, 49ers have created some. Well, that's part of it. But stadiums, as they're being conceived and built, are now about amenities. And even though Levi's has a lot of amenities baked into it, it just... I I mean, to me, it, it looks like... Levi's Stadium reminds me of Walmart. It reminds me of like a, like a rectangular Walmart that the whole press box and, and stadium side is on. And then the rest of it could have been Stanford Stadium. It's Stanford Stadium on steroids is basically what that stadium is. But Stanford Stadium at least has that cool, well, you walk through the hills to get in some of the entrances. And like it's built into the crevice of the landscape where... Levi Stadium was built in the parking lot of an amusement park, and it has all that charm and feel of it. Well, I'm not talking about the charm of the place. The place is relatively charmless because there's always so many things you can do with a football stadium. Let's be honest. Yeah, but we've you're seen working it, with a rectangle. But, but when you're talking about SoFi Stadium, though, but SoFi Stadium, but, come on. But it goes back to the amenities. I right, mean, but just the design the, of those stadiums now. I mean, well, but that's the that's the exterior. Once you get inside, you're working with the same shape. What I'm talking about is people can now draw on memories because the stadium's been there long enough and they've had enough success that they could create an atmosphere where one did not formally exist. I mean, everything else is about how much you want to charge for the beer and how nice the plastic cup is you put it in, essentially. Everything, I mean, if, if if it's about amenities... Well, then football is basically for rich people. If it's about the All game itself... All in-person sporting events are basically for the well-to-do. Nobody pays more money for tickets than NFL fans. That's that's a given. It's, it's more expensive than any other ticket there is, more expensive than any other amenities there are. But if you're talking about memories, memories are entirely the realm of the players. They're the ones who create the atmosphere. And if they if they win and fans are still sitting on their hands, then maybe you're in the wrong place. 
Hopefully Levi Stadium's the right place this weekend. 49ers and Cowboys, 3.30 on Sunday. And if you, you know, want to make some memories, this is a real good opportunity to do that. Again, Levi Stadium, it'll never be great. But the football team that calls it home has a chance to be. And that's what really, really matters. That's all that really matters. So here we go. Somebody says, do the Niners stay at Levi's after the contract is done? What, what contract? What, what are you talking? They're not leasing. <laughs> they built that. That's theirs. They own it. They're going to be playing there forever. Forever. And I don't know. I would have to debate you, Ray, on the NFL is most expensive ticket price. Uh, the NBA, I think, might want to challenge that theory at times. For, Just, for, for the finals, maybe. But everywhere, every, any other game? I mean, the Super Bowl, you know. Well, is there a $3,000 seat at Levi Stadium? I don't think there is one. There is a $3,000 seat for Warriors Hawks on a Tuesday. No, you could, you, oh, you could pay 3000 Not for a seat. Right. No, I'm talking one seat at Chase Center. Three grand. Once, well, for the Super Bowl, yeah, you could get that. I don't know that you're getting 3000 for and like a game against the Pacers that costs three grand. Court sides, yeah. Yeah, they, they go for that price point pretty much every night of the year. <laughs> yeah. You, you're, it's been a while since you've been to an NBA game, right? It is not. Well, no, it's been a while since I've paid for a ticket. It is. Well, good for us. But, Thank you. You know, it, you're still, I mean, you, ta- you take the number of seats, the price you pay. I mean, an NFL game is pulling in infinitely more than. Well, yeah, because the stadium is three times the size of okay, it. Okay, but the price point, I mean, if if courtside seats are what you're going to measure it by, then you have to basically compare that to the suites, to a seat in a suite at, a, at, a, at an NFL game, which probably goes for about the same. Either way, sports are expensive. Oh, no question. As an in-person, just, hey, let's bring the family of four down and play a little, uh, we're at the game today, is, is not as yeah. easy as it used to be, that's for sure. Grand. When we come on back, yeah, 12 grand, family of four. Uh, when we come on back, we got Steve Kerr joining us. He was just at the White House. He is on his way to Boston, where they meet the Celtics tomorrow. Cavaliers on Friday, an awful lot to get into with Steve Kerr. Next here on 95.7 The Game. And remember, the road to Glendale is brought to you by Marowest Credit Union. We're for you today, tomorrow, and together, and we're also brought to you by Fremont Bank, full service banking, no compromises. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.